Hello there, podcast listener. Amber Noel here. It's my turn to be a listener now. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. The Living Church, as you might know, is a nonprofit communications ministry with a heart for Christian unity, especially in the Anglican communion. And we want to keep our mission sharp in all we do, including the podcast, and have fun, obviously. But would you write to me and let me know how we're doing? What's the podcast doing for you? Is it making a difference in your thinking, your ministry, your prayer life, your daily walk with your golden doodle? Do you have some hot takes on what we could do better? I want to hear it all. I might even read your comments on the next episode. There are so many great podcasts out there. I want to do more of what The Living Church is here to do and less of what it's not. So there are two things you can do to help. First, make sure you're following us from a podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Find us on the page and click follow. The second thing you can do is email me, ambernoel at livingchurch.org. Share with me a thing or two you've gotten from the podcast over the years. And if you want, include something we might do better. Help us stay not just a great podcast, but on mission. Follow us, email me, A-M-B-E-R-N-O-E-L at livingchurch.org. I can't wait to hear from you. The Living Church, Catholic, Evangelical, Ecumenical. How many Zoom meetings, FaceTime calls, Netflix hours, and general screen hours have you had this week? This experience is so common. These questions really have become a trope, but they're not really new. Don't forget, before the pandemic, we were getting an avalanche of research about the risks and harms of screen time and digital technology, physical, emotional, and social problems we were being warned about. We were starting to hear about screen fasts and not letting our kids even see a smartphone until they reach a certain age. And then suddenly, suddenly screens become a window to the world in a whole new way. Digital technology really has enabled, sometimes pretty powerfully and sometimes pretty feebly, connection with other people and places, a way to go to school, to keep tabs on family and friends, to have game night, to date, and even maybe this one might still be up for grabs depending on your theological approach, go to church, worship, Today, we introduce a series on just this tension between what we're told we need or what we actually need in terms of digital tools and screen time to live faithfully as Christians in this moment, and the need to practice wisdom and discernment when it comes to choosing how to engage digitally with the world. We're setting up a little philosophical framework today with Dr. Sarah Schumacher. Sarah is academic dean and tutor and lecturer in theology and the arts at St. Melitus College, She's also author of the booklet, Reimagining the Spiritual Disciplines for a Digital Age. And you can find a link to that booklet in the show notes today. We had her on the show to talk about how the spiritual disciplines, and particularly solitude, simplicity, and Sabbath, can help us to prepare to make choices about our use of digital technology, or break addictive habits, and recognize when technology itself shows us where its limits are in helping us to do what God calls us to.
Dr. Sarah Schumacher, it is a delight to speak with you today. Thanks for coming on. Of course. It's great to be here. Now, tell me, how are you these days? Are you fully vaccinated? Are you ready to hit the town? I wish. We're um, in the UK, they're doing vaccinations solely by age. And so my number has yet to be called. I do want to ask you a question I'm purely curious about. What was the first cell phone that you ever had? And when did you get it? it? And it was a dumb phone, right? I mean, your first cell phone was not a smartphone. It's pretty thick. It was by Nokia and it had like a antenna um, and you, it was handheld. Um, and I definitely was out of university. It was definitely after university when I got it. Um, and I remember like definitely was no texting or anything. It was literally just a phone that you could use elsewhere. I think what's interesting is that I think particularly as someone who's... Um, who's interested in the arts and has been an artist and, and still very much involved in that. The number of artists that I know who either have gone without, who, who don't have a cell phone um, or have gone back to a dumb, dumb phone, like, because I think they, they just know that it um, to not have that amount of information sort of being pushed towards their brains to not have that um, really, um, brings to life through creativity. You mentioned artists, and this addresses something that I was curious about because your main research area is in theology and the arts. So what is it that inspired you to begin this project on the spiritual disciplines and digital technology? It's a great question. Um, Being in the field of theology and the arts, but teaching at a theological college, I have been forced to think about how theology and the intersect um, theology and the arts how that can be stretched in its widest application rather than in a narrow application of simply looking at the art like the formal arts or or the artist and so really recognizing that theology and the arts at its widest level attends to how we as humans interact with the world around us I think and so I think in some ways this idea of like digital technology and human embodiment and um, and then what theology can can bring to bear and how we live in this world is has in some ways has is in some ways been more the outworking of how I've had to stretch as a theologian in the arts because of the context I found myself teaching in because the context I'm teaching in is not to other artists but it's to those who are who are training most of them are training for ministry mm-hmm. so tell me what what is a spiritual discipline? What are the primary goals of a spiritual discipline? Can you tell me briefly? Well, I think, I mean, the spiritual disciplines, I think, put us into the way of the Spirit to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. So um, they are these practices um, that have been handed down through the tradition of the church um, and, and are found in Scripture that are, yeah, are the practices that I think Christians have have participated in and have practiced both individually and corporately. Um, but the the aim, um, or I suppose the the direction, the telos of them is our is our conformity into Christ likeness. How are the goals of the spiritual disciplines? Do you think most apt to be frustrated in our age, particularly? Every age, every generation has its own stumbling blocks to becoming more like Christ. So what are we up against today? Is there anything unique in your perspective? The first thing that comes to mind is, I think, attention, attention to God. Um, I think the distraction of digital technology and the fact that 
our attention has um, is the commodity of digital technology that they need that app developers need to keep us on our phones mm. in order to make money um, mm-hmm. is is a particular challenge I think for the Christian I think so I, I think like as I said I think our attention to God has been under threat <laughs> always our maybe our ignorance and our naivety perhaps around um, around how these technologies are forming and shaping us. Um, I think we probably have been naive to think that these are simply just tools that we're using in our life. And I think it's what's been interesting even since I wrote this book is um, Netflix has aired a documentary called The Social Dilemma, which I think has exposed... That is ironic in a way, right? um, Yeah, exactly. Which has exposed, you know, a lot of... um, now, not always mal, not always practices that were without good intent, or, or or they weren't necessarily with malicious intent. I should probably say, um, but there was an intentionality of of what they're seeking to to um, to do to the user through through these um, through the technology that was being created. But I think we are battling some forces that are also um, actively seeking our attention either by keeping us even either by keeping us addicted to our to our our phones and their apps or in some ways by our attention going to creating the content for those forms because I did find when I was on social media the way that I interacted with the world was very different I was thinking about oh that would make a nice square Ah, picture to put on Instagram and it's you know and so you're and it's your meal or your loved one or yeah Mm -hmm. exactly exactly so you're seeing things through the lens of not who's in front of you, but who's going to see what you post. And for me personally, it just meant that I didn't ever feel very present to where I was. Um, and but yeah, and I think technology plays can play quite a significant role in that if we're not careful. Mm, absolutely. Um, I want to jump into your booklet now. And in your booklet, there are three specific spiritual disciplines that you focus on disciplines to make us wiser about the use of technology and maybe be able to break uh, addictive habits that we formed. And these three disciplines are solitude, simplicity, and Sabbath. And I'd like to touch briefly on each one of them, although each one of them could use up an entire podcast episode because they're so rich. But I would love for you to define solitude for us. And specifically after a year and a half, of being in and out of lockdown, how is solitude as a spiritual discipline different from loneliness or isolation, for example? Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a really great question. Solitude is about, I think, creating space. So it's creating space, and I think also creating um, creating time. And it's um, and so therefore, what it means is that. While when you create that space, that space then fills with, is able to be filled with, I think, the presence of the spirit as, as the disciplines, as, as the other disciplines are, um, are practiced. And I think, I think that is where I've come to learn to be the difference between solitude and loneliness. Cause for me, loneliness feels like an empty space. It's like, it's like, there's this, there's this kind of space there's this isolation or space around you, but there's nothing there. It's like an emptiness. And as far as as loneliness and isolation, I ended up quite by accident four months on my own in lockdown because both of my flatmates ended up 
stuck in their respective countries of origin. Um, and, and there were times, I think, of... There were times of solitude, definitely, because it's four months on my own. But I would say I, by the grace of God, didn't feel loneliness because there was a quality to my solitude. There was a fullness to my solitude. Um, and it was it was like I wasn't alone, even though I was physically alone, which is why I think, you know, the people can be lonely even when they're surrounded by other people. And and the loneliness is there because there's a there's a diminished quality to the relationships, even with those who are around. And 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 I think there is then something in solitude as that space is created, as we commune with God, that um that we that we know that we're not alone in reading in reading a lot of the um the uh, others outside of the christian tradition sociologists and and others who are writing about what does it mean to live well in a digital age solitude kept coming up time and time again for them as well of recognizing there is something about needing this space this state to be able to connect with ourselves in order to us to be able to connect with others or connect with, you know, that which is capital or other, whatever it is. And I think recognizing that this solitude, this space that we need as humans was, I suppose, an area where technology was really encroaching and was, was kind of, I think Cal Newport talks about how we're in a, a state of solitude deprivation. And so this, and I think that, and I think there is something about the spiritual discipline sort of almost inflates that space or ins- inflates um, uh, the space around us. What I'm hearing is that the difference between solitude and something like a, a lonely isolation is that solitude is being alone with intention. There's an intentionality to it. And even if solitude is involuntary, it's it's never f- something you can be forced into because of the intentionality that it requires. Um, which is why something like solitary confinement, which is actually forced isolation, it's not really solitude, unless by God's grace, somebody turns it into a serious monastic practice because otherwise it's it, it can be considered tantamount to torture for a reason. Um, and that the space and time created in solitude increases um, your capacity for being aware of God rather than uh, taking it away, that it in actually increases the capacity of space and time itself um, rather than shrinking it, shrink wrapping it around you the way that um, lonely isolation can do. So now I'm curious, how does this specifically relate to digital technology, but not just in my personal life? How does uh, solitude, as you see it in relation to digital technology, also build up the church as well as disciple uh, individual Christians? when we practice solitude as individuals, and I think if in solitude we become attentive to God, we become attentive to ourselves. I think from that we then become attentive to others, which is I think where then the individual turns to the building up of the body of Christ, because we are called to care for one another, to love our neighbor, to care for our brothers and sisters. Um, And I think then the corresponding, so the corresponding outworking of practicing solitude as an individual I think leads us to loving and caring and um, I think responding attentively and carefully and wisely to those that God has put around us. So building up so building up the body 
Um, but then also I think that has an outworking into how we live in the world because we also then become attentive to who is my neighbor um, because I'm because I am um, because in some ways I'm letting my my mind and my heart be conformed into Christ likeness, which means we start to see the world the way that Christ does. And so I think it it builds up the body of Christ out of which then that that impacts how we then live in the world around us. And so so I think it starts with an individual practice, but of course then ends up having kind of ecclesial and then missional implications for how for how we as as the church to not have your phone on the table feeling like you need to check it has now become a way by which we, I don't know, start to say to someone else, you are important. You're more important than all of the potential people who might be contacting me. Um, and I, so I, so I, I mean, I haven't really thought about it in this way, but, um, but we do tend to think of solitude as something which is individual, but I almost wonder if there's a solitude that also exists in, in community of where you're creating space for each other and creating space for God um, to kind of indwell in that in that community, um, and and technology, of course, can um, you know can facilitate that, which we're finding at the moment. But I think you know, obviously one of the temptations that you have if you're on Zoom on your computer is all the other things you could be looking at simultaneously, um, which the other person may or may not know <laughs> that you are looking or mm-hmm. not looking at simultaneously, um, which of course, if you were face to face, it would be very obvious if you were checking a website or doing your emails while you're meant to be having a conversation. It'd be interesting to, to think a bit more about what does solitude look like as a corporate discipline well, I wonder if one of those ways could be, and, and we're going to have uh, more conversation on the podcast in the coming weeks about the use of digital technology in worship, worship streaming, that kind of thing. Um, and one of the questions that I have is if we're practicing discipline, um, do we need to impose disciplines or even fasts on ourselves, a sort of cleanse um, or an occasional fast where we say, you know, one service a month we will actually not be streaming or we will only make it available for those who are homebound with, you know, and put a password on the Facebook lives. I don't even know if that's possible to put a password on your Facebook live stream, but um, where we say, okay, we're going to, as a congregation, um, sort of do it the old fashioned way, uh, have analog worship as they're calling it now and um, just be together. And those who can't come, we will miss you and we will, feel that, um, as we always did, we'll feel that loss because you're not able to be here with us in the flesh or otherwise, and we will pray for you. But we will practice in some way a a kind of a, a solitude. The cameras are not on. If you've got anything that you want Christian leaders and clergy to know about, especially in the Anglican Communion, a conference, a product, a new book, this podcast might be the niche for you. If you are a publisher, if you're in education, if you are in the nonprofit sector, church technology, vestments, or anything in between, what I'm getting at is we would love to advertise for you right here on this podcast. Our audience is cross-generational and interdenominational. So if you're interested, shoot me an email and let's talk. Contact me, Amber Noel, at ambernoel at livingchurch.org. That's A-M-B-E-R-N-O-E-L at livingchurch.org.
Growing up in, in the Pentecostal church, as many listeners have heard many times that I grew up in a Pentecostal context, um, there were some churches that I attended that had cameras on in the service. And um, I understood why, but Pentecostal churches have been doing this for a long time, Sarah, and, and saying, how can we use technology to maximize the number of people that hear the gospel and that see what's going on in our services? But I was always so incredibly sensitive to the presence, just the presence of a camera. And it impeded the, the freedom of my worship. It impeded, it, it caused me to put um, another, um, almost a critical lens on the way that I was viewing the service. Even when it wasn't in the front of my mind, this subconscious awareness um, that there was a camera in the room. And uh, I just wonder if solitude could include corporately a practice of being away from the camera together, at least occasionally. What do you think about that? I think that's a really interesting idea. And what it made me think of was the one place where I have experienced not so much cameras, but um, a solitude, a collective solitude from our phones is in the cinema. Because at least here, um, if you go to the cinema, like you, there'll be a, an av, uh, some advert towards the beginning, which will say like, please switch off your phones because and enter into the kind of wonderful world of the cinema. And people duly obey um, in, um, in the cinema. And, and I've thought about that a few times, I think probably as I was writing this book and I thought, well, clearly like we are capable of collective solitude and there is something about not wanting to disturb someone else's viewing pleasure. It's, I don't want to be disturbed because I want to watch the film and, and um, I want to have this escape. And, and often, and a lot of times the, the wording um, is around kind of escape from the outside world and enter the, into the world of the film. And, mm. and I think, goodness, like when we come together to worship God, um, we, we are coming into his, well, we're in his presence all the time, but we are collectively coming into his presence and what, like, surely that is worth, worthy of switching our phones off and being fully attentive and present to him and to each other. Um, but yet we don't seem to have either the courage to say that, or dare I say the imagination to like, um, to believe that that what we are going to experience in that space is um, is worthy of such action, but I think it's it's it is something about a collective commitment um, that is really interesting to explore. Now, uh, the other two disciplines that you have written about are simplicity and Sabbath, and I think already just talking so much about solitude, we are getting glimpses of what. Um, simplicity might look like or require and what Sabbath might look like and require. But since, since these are in some ways distinct disciplines, um, would you be able to define what you mean by simplicity for us um, very specifically? So what does a life lived simply look like, practically speaking, in terms of spiritual discipline? How I define simplicity is um, is about learning to let go 
it's letting go so that we can, I think, grasp onto that which is most important, which I think in um, within scripture, we're told it's a seek, it's seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you as well. I think that, I think that verse is marking what the life of simplicity is. It's this question of forcing us again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about attention. It forces us to interrogate, what am I paying attention to? Um, what am I holding on to? What, it, what has become an inordinate attachment? Um, what has become, I think, an addiction? What has become something what has become, what has become, um, what has been, what has been put into the place where God should be? I think that's probably one of the things that I've, um, thinking about. Um, so simplicity is just, I think strips all of that away. Um, and that practice of simplicity. So in some ways, the practice of simplicity, I think probably starts with the interrogation of, of ourselves and what has kind of taken holds it is that seeking first from which then the actions follow. Because I think simplicity, I think, is probably one of these things that um, might look very different in practice for different types of people. Um, because mm, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's that question of like, what am I kind of what am I holding on to, which I think is which is, I think, where some of the wisdom of how we live well in a digital age um, and how the disciplines can help us to do that is, is this is where I think that that comes to the fore. Because, some, because for some people, um, depending on who they are, a simple life in relation to technology actually may include quite a lot of use of it. For other people, simplicity in a life of tech, like in a digital age, may actually be minimal use depending on sort of where where they what tempts them to seek that which is not god's kingdom i suppose because solitude is that container discipline it creates space then i think what solitude starts to do it creates space to do that discerning work Mm -hmm. of of what has become an addiction what am i paying attention to that is not of god that is deforming me Um, so i think we need to just be in a constant constantly like reviewing and discerning and interrogating um our use because i think it's it's very easy to without even quite realizing it slipping into um kind of a duplicitous life um because you can curate your life online and you can quite easily deceive yourself yeah what you were saying reminds me also of there is a um, simplicity of heart is something that's really important in the Christian tradition. Um, I'm thinking I've I've seen it and heard it most in in Eastern um, theology and traditions of uh, having a simplicity a simple heart simplicity of heart, um, which I used to scoff at a little bit, thinking like, well, I'm sorry, life is complex and we have to embrace and celebrate the complexity, um, and that's fine. But but there comes a point at which you realize. It's not about sticking your head in the sand and pretending that people in the world aren't complex and that would like surprise and horrify God to learn. But it's more like, no, 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 humans, uh, as scripture says, the heart is deceitful above all else. There's, <laughs> there's, it's so easy to be, as you said, duplicitous. And so having the space um, to say, where am I not quite as I seem? What's not, what's not quite fitting here and making sense? I think that... Um when you're talking about simplicity of heart, um, in my in thinking about this in, in light of my own experience of technology, is I think what I came to realize was that 
technology and particularly social media were cultivating visions of what is the good life that were counter to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God being that's, I mean, think is like, I think that's Mm. part of what makes Mm -hmm. the simplicity of heart possible because Mm -hmm. um, it forms and shapes (laughs) like it, it, it is, it is the telos to which we are headed and it is that which, um, it is the vision of the good life that we are called mm. to live. And and I think that, I think what, what I realized is that I was in engaging with, with social media, um, these, these alternate um, visions were breeding either a lot of arrogance and pride as I was, I'm glad this is not my life, (laughs) or Mm. it was breeding a lot of um, insecurity or disconnection as like envy or jealousy crept in or, or just a sense of um, the life that I have is not a gift. It's like a Mm. failure because it's like, Mm, you see the life that you should have. Um, It was like, it was like spreading my heart sending it in lots of different directions. Mm. And, mm. and so that then I think has meant then for me, I've, um, I've just stepped, stepped out of the social media world. Mm. And I feel, mm. I don't, I remember, and I remember thinking, Oh, Sarah, you're not going to get any invites to anything, or you're not going to know what happens <laughs> in someone people's lives. And you're going to be so out of the loop. And actually like, it's been the exact opposite, which is, um, because people know I'm not on Facebook, then I get a personal invitation to things, which mm, is like, mm-hmm. oh, I get remembered. Um, and and I actually mm. experience connection and friendship because I'm not one of 200 that have just been invited, which, you know, and then there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I think for me, it's actually been a, it's cultivated that sense of connection and vulnerability and friendship that for me aligns with the person that I want to become. Um, and then it means then when I see someone, um, and I haven't seen them for a while, I actually have genuine questions about what has happened in their life rather than that funny place you can be in with Facebook. It's like, I saw it on Facebook. Can I ask about it or should like, you know, I'm not quite sure to know what to do with the information that yeah. you've, you've already gotten. Um, sort of pretend so you I've, don't know that they got married or that exactly. you don't know that <laughs> their dog died. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, that's that's my own I think that's my own story um I think maybe others this is why I think yeah so again it's wisdom and discernment rather than hard fast rules of no Christian should be on Facebook I, I don't think that I mean that's a that's not tenable um and um and and I will and it's a bit you know, legalistic te- as well yeah it would, it would be a bit legalistic to try to you know say exactly. something like that that image I think is is supremely helpful um in making in making decisions in our own lives um, during lockdown and then post-pandemic, as we're using most of us much more technology than than we would in the day-to-day um, by necessity and not just by choice, um, is the question of what am I engaging in that's making me feel more thin, that's, that's thinning out my heart, uh, that's dividing my heart between many things, um, that's giving me scatteredness, rather than pulling me in. And obviously, as we engage in the world and do stuff that we got to do, we're going to get scattered and we have to pull back. That's part of the way that the rhythms of spiritual discipline and worship work. Um, But 
I still think that that image is very helpful. And I can't help but think of uh, uh, Bilbo saying to Gandalf in Fellowship of the Ring, you know, I'm starting to feel like butter spread over too much bread. Um, yeah, I think we all know that feeling and that can be a really good sign that it's time to pay attention. And and part of what simplicity is going to make possible, part of what the um, living with living with an undivided heart living with focus, knowing what's distracting you and what's keeping you um, on track with um, what God wants for your life is that it cultivates generosity as well. Um, that when you're, you're living, when your mind is simple, when your life is simple, when your physical space is simple, when your time is given to what it needs to be given to and to nothing else, you have time, you have space, you have resources um, more and more and more for other people. Um, and you find that the more that you give, the more you have to give. Um, and that's this really beautiful kingdom concept that people can live their whole lives without knowing. And then all of a sudden it unlocks for you and you realize, yes, this is the life of God. <laughs> Something really beautiful yeah. has opened up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's, that's really, that's a really good way to kind of, to, to, um, to put it. Cause I think that, because I think what what we saw at least in London um, and across the UK in the first bit of the pandemic was the out like for the, I think for those for whom life had become simple is exactly as you said there was just this outpouring of um, calling those who are on their own or fixing meals for those who are working um, in the hospitals or opening up food banks to provide food for those who don't have any or or whatever uh, picking up prescriptions for people who can't get to the pharmacy. And I think that it is that it's, it's interesting, that sense of like what simplicity strips back is not just, again, it goes back to what we talked about with solitude, that solitude ends up sending us outward. I think simplicity does the same. It's like the, 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 the simple life, like you said, creates space and out of which then we serve the other. You know, Sarah, I would love, if you still have a few minutes, I'd love to just dip quickly into Sabbath to wrap us up. Would, yeah, do you have a, a minute to yeah, do yeah. that? No worries. Okay. No pro- do you have a yeah. minute for Sabbath, Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yes, of course. Always. Let us take this time for Sabbath, Sarah. Uh, and and you know what? I don't think you need to define it really because I feel like we've journeyed our way to uh, what Sabbath means, which is about uh, Sabbath is intentionally taking the time and space, which God commands and that our bodies demand um, for stopping, accepting our limitations, reorienting toward who God is, playing, loving him, enjoying his creation and other people. Um, So my questions to close our time today are, what risks to Sabbath have you seen in relation to digital technology over the course of the pandemic? And what returns to Sabbath have you seen and then looking forward, what are your concerns or your hopes for discipleship and spiritual disciplines? Well, I think I think probably the main risk to Sabbath um, in the pandemic, particularly in relation to technology, is that technology very quickly became our only way out of our physical spaces. <laughs> um, so if we wanted to work or to connect with friends or family or be entertained it was we were limited to um well technology became a very significant factor and and means through which that happened um 
And so I think then if, if Sabbath is about resting, accepting limitations, handing over control, um, then I think technology, I think, I think the pandemic made it harder for us to believe that there was goodness in that resting, that there was something mm. there in that resting. Um, and because, because so I, I think for so many people, so much was being lost. And so technology was the one thing to hold on to That's the right. normal life that we had all of a sudden had, had stripped away. As we move forward, um, my, I think because we've been forced into a space where our, so much of our lives for most of us, not everyone, but for most of us is now mediated by technology. We, we see what it can and can't do. And I think we see that we need the break from it in order to be present and to rest um, and, and to be present to God, to those around us and to rest. Dr. Sarah Schumacher, thank you so much for your wisdom and for spending this time with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And if you want to, you can find Sarah 24-7 on Twitter at her hand. No, I'm kidding. You can't. She's not there. Don't even look. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the Living Church Podcast, a ministry of the Living Church Institute. Tune in every two weeks. We have got a great lineup for you over the summer. What's the state of ministry in Canada? Why is Toronto so cool? Where is the Holy Spirit when the church fails? And more on the uses of digital technology in worship, caution, advice, and debate. Again, don't forget to check out Sarah's booklet, Reimagining the Spiritual Disciplines for a Digital Age from Grove Books. You can find a link for that in the show notes. As always, I'm Amber Noel, your host, and it's been good to be with you. Peace.